Welcome to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. morning. Man, it is great to be with you this morning. I am um, just uh, thrilled to be able to uh, share God's Word with you this morning. I'm going to invite you to go ahead and get back in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Wednesday night, we looked at verses 24 through 29. going to do the same thing this morning. The Apostle Paul is writing as he did in a normal fashion to a group of believers. And one thing that we know out of the Apostle Paul's life is that he come to the realization that he was created for such a time as he was living in. He had no doubt that the Lord had called him to salvation, had called him to ministry, He had no doubt that the Lord was wanting to use him. He had rightful doubts about the integrity of his own flesh, but no question whatsoever about the superiority that's found in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You and I would do well to take that stance. That there is uh, nothing that we can lean on in our own flesh as a matter of fact, uh, I was burdened on my heart uh, I, for my pastors that I know, and I sent out a text message just God, as I was reading over some things yesterday morning, God was um, just moved upon my heart. And as a matter of fact, Christy, can you hand me my phone? I want to read, read it like it's, uh, I don't want to misquote myself. <laughs> I just say this because I think that this actually lines up with how God wanted me to open this morning. I said, we're one day closer to the place we've never seen with our eyes, but the one who who comforts us from within, he speaks so fondly of it every time we read the words. One day closer to freedom from the pain we see ourselves and others going through. One day closer to handing in our crook, our rod, and our cloak to the suppliers, to the supplier of our calling. If he gives us one more day, preach truth from the heart of a grace-filled, forgiven life, preach it knowing that if it were not for the call on our lives, we may not care quite as much as we do about things. We are sheep promoted to oversee our fellow men. Let his word hold you up and know that you are loved and prayed for. But 
even outside of the pastorate, that ought to be our, our lives. That you and I are, if we're saved, we're saved by the amazing grace of Almighty God. There's no strength in our flesh, but we lean wholly on Christ. And that every day of our lives, we are to live that way before other people. And God has given us responsibilities in the body of Christ, and we're not to uh, be ashamed of those. I don't think the Apostle Paul was ashamed of his calling. As a matter of fact, he was sure of his calling. And you and I ought to be sure of our calling. Sometime in the very near future, we're going to do a little more investigation, investigation into the, to our lives to find out just what we have been called to do. What has God gifted us to do? What is God wanting out of us? And how has God prepared us for that? And that's a question that needs an answer. Some folks have that answer. You may know right now just exactly what God wants you to do, but everybody does not know the answer to that question. That's why I'm trying to lay the groundwork now, I believe led of God, to help us understand that you and I were created for this very moment in time. It was not a mistake, no matter what anybody around you might say. In other words, your birth date, you being a part of this world, some folks may say it was an accident or a mistake or whatever they might call it. But God appointed this time for you. He knew the day that you would be born, did not escape him in his salvation plan. And so you are here for a purpose and for a reason. In Colossians chapter 1, let's see how Paul can teach us by, I believe, just sharing the truth of what God had taught him in his own life. Verse 24 says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. And then finally, verse 29 says, To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Father, would you take your word this morning and teach us if we're honest and truthful before you, we would have to admit that we need to see the power of God through the Word. Not through our excellence of speech, not through our cunning craftiness or deceitful plotting. But God, would you let this ministry be marked by your Word and the power that you so chose to allow us because you found a people that wanted to live by your word. And may you do it all for your glory in Christ's name. Amen. In this text, I want to take and I want to break down just a couple of thoughts that I believe can help us understand where we're at and where we need to go. For such a time as this, I believe God has opened our eyes. I believe for such a time as this that God 
has opened our eyes. If we look once again at verses 24, 25, and 26, listen to the Apostle Paul as he shares his heart. I rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the affliction of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. Now, I'm going to stop there for just a moment before we hit those other two verses. But I want you to think about the life of the Apostle Paul. The life of the Apostle Paul, he was blinded at one time. He was Saul of Tarsus, and he was persecuting the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the Apostle Paul is writing to the, to the church at Colossae, and he's saying, my eyes are now opened. And, and I'm just kind of digging into his heart in that verse. He says, my, I rejoice in my sufferings when he was the one that was causing people to suffer. He said, I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. In other words, in his own personal life, he says, now that Christ has gone back, I will continue on the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. And now he identifies knowing what the church is and who he is and how he's a part of the church. And that only happened because God opened his eyes on the road to Damascus. He was once blind, now he sees. And then he says, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. And he's just constantly reiterating the fact that he said, I was created for this moment in time and God opened my eyes. I was blind, now I see, for this very appointed time. And that's what I want you to grab a hold of, is that none of this stuff has just happened by accident. For that very appointed time, listen, the Apostle Paul, he, God could have done this work that he's doing in the Apostle Paul that we have in Scripture at, with anybody at any time, but he chose that day for the Apostle Paul. He chose that time for him. He said, the stewardship was given me from God uh, for you to fulfill the Word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations. But now has been revealed to his saints. So in other words, what the Apostle Paul is sharing, not only did God so choose to use him at that moment in his life, but what he is unveiling, what he is revealing in that mystery has been held captive in the heart of God until that moment. Isn't that awesome? To think, and some people look at it and they go, but that's not fair. God never needed your permission to do anything. And He still doesn't need it today. And the moment that we take that high, lofty thought, then we try to become God and say that God's wrong and we're right. Proverbs 6, 9 says this, A man's heart plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. Romans 11, 25 says, Our I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Isaiah 14, 24 says, The Lord of hosts has sworn, saying, Surely, as I have thought, so it shall come to pass, and as I have purposed, so it shall stand. And Romans 5, 6 says this, for when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. 
You and I, much like the Apostle Paul, we were created for this moment that we live in, just as he was created for that moment. And understand that God is doing things in our lives now that he has not done in any life prior. Now, I understand salvation is salvation. I get that. But do you realize that there has never been a generation alive on the face of this earth in the United States of America, since the United States of America has, had been, has been conceived, that would fight the truth battles that you and I will fight today? We look at it sometimes as if, well, the country is just going to heck in a handbasket, right? Paraphrased. But we can also understand that the light shines the brightest in the darkness. You and I have a great opportunity. You and I have a tremendous responsibility to share the gospel, and it couldn't happen at any other time other than this moment that we live in right now. So our eyes have been opened for an appointed time. Our eyes have also been opened as an ordained people. This kind of goes hand in hand, but I don't want to miss the specifics of this. Listen to verse 26 and 27. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. If you are a child of God, that is, you're in that. That if you have had your eyes opened, this mystery is being revealed to you because you are one of his saints. You say, I don't feel a lot like a saint, or maybe my neighbor doesn't look much like a saint. But nevertheless, God looks upon you and sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ if you're saved today. And upon that righteousness, he has allowed you to be his children. Because of Jesus Christ, the Bible teaches us that that now we have been allowed to become children of God. If heirs, joint heirs with Jesus. Listen to verse 26 again. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. Do you realize that there have probably been, well, there are people that lived on this earth that never had the opportunity to know and experience what you and I experience in Jesus Christ. All of those Old Testament saints, they knew something was going to happen. They knew that that the Messiah was coming, but they had no idea what we know. You and I experienced the grace of Almighty God through through the salvation that's brought to us, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. They trusted by faith in what was to come. Colossians, I mean, 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 4, 6 says, For God who said light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Ephesians 2, 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We're an ordained people for this day, that nobody else could ever have taken your place because the moment that you live in, not only is the time ordained, set aside, but you and I are ordained and appointed for this very moment in time. There are things that you can do now for Christ that nobody else could have ever done for Christ. 
There are people that you can talk to for, for him about Christ and the gospel that nobody else could ever talk to. As a matter of fact, we're living now with the people we live around and we are the only ones that will be able to, in our lifetime, while they're alive, we're the only ones that will be able to talk to them. When they're gone, they're gone. They've never been here at a time before. I'll give you a good for instance. Ray Elder, the gentleman that led me to saving faith in Jesus Christ. He's in glory now. But while he was here on this earth, he told the people around him about the gospel. And I was one of them. And had somebody not told me the gospel, my eyes would not be opened. I would not be here today preaching right here in front of you. And so you must be serious about the fact that your day that you go about is not just for you. You've not been left here for you. He left you here for him, for his purpose, for his glory. Ephesians 1.18 he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you might know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Back to Colossians 1 verse 27, he says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Do you realize, and somebody told you this just a couple weeks ago, do you realize that you and I have been grafted in? You and I who once were aliens, not of the commonwealth of Israel, now we are of Israel. We have been grafted into the true vine. And you and I have been grafted in at a specific time. I've got some trees that I ain't got to worry about pruning no more because before leaves get on them, they're going to hit the ground. I'm sick of them. I got up on there and blowed leaves out of a gutter just the other day, and I said, I am not doing this next year. I'm done with it. But they say that you've got to prune trees at the right time of the year if you want to make sure that they're, they stay healthy, right? Nobody is a greater grafter nor a more proficient pruner than Jesus Christ. He knows the seasons and the times of men. He knows your time and your season. He knows when you'll bear much fruit. He knows when he'll have to cut you back so that you could bear fruit again. And he knows whether you're his or not. Because if you're not his, none of this applies to you except for the fact that we should be sharing the gospel with you. To them... To them, God willed. He woke us up to show or to reveal to us this great truth, the gospel. <clears throat> Our eyes also have been opened to an imparted hope. What he has taken in this time that he has opened up for us, the day of grace for the Gentiles, the church age, whatever you want to call it, and not only has he appointed you a time, but he has imparted to us a living hope. Now I want you to listen to verse 27 once again. To them, <clears throat> that being those whom God 
has saved those that are in this room right now and those that will get saved. But those that are saved, if you're saved right now, to you, I could say, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. And we love to take that part. But then listen to what it says, the hope of glory. So in other words, it's not just Christ in you for you. It's Christ in you for others. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I listened yesterday to a lot of songs about heaven. And I was just resonating with some things. That there is, and I think that's what stirred up that message to those pastors from my heart. That when I read scripture about home, and I hear this voice inside of me, longing for a place I've not seen. I have not seen or ear heard nor entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for his people. That, that this place that he's gone to prepare for us, I've never seen it with my eyes. But yet there is one that lives inside of me that when I read the text and when I think about the things of, of eternity, of heaven, then it's like he's seen it. That's why there's this stirring inside of me that wants to go to a place that I've never seen. And every day my longing grows more and more. And you say, why? Because you've never been there. You've never seen it. How do you know? But yet there's somebody inside of me. He's been there. He is there. There's no place that he has not been or no place that he is not or cannot go. He's in me, and he's in you. And he bears witness. He cries out from within us, longing to be there and to be finished. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. I, I'm, I'm kind of thrilled about the fact that one day, we'll lay it all down. One day, this, this hope of glory that we're experiencing will become reality. Now I know in part, and I'm known in part, but then I shall see him face to face. I'll be known as he is. And he says, until then, though, you're to share this hope. 2 Corinthians 5, I mean 13, 5 says, examine yourselves as to whether or not you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Uh, do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you're a disqualified, or unless indeed he's not in you. Romans 8:10 says, And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. The first song that y'all sang. Philippians 3.9 says, And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. That righteousness that is imparted to us. We didn't buy it. We didn't earn it. We didn't order it on Amazon. Right? No. How did it come to us? It come to us because Jesus Christ sent it to us. 
He left out of fear. And I have to believe that as he's talking about leaving, their hearts are sinking because they're like, no, you can't leave. Oh, don't worry. I'll send another. I'll send the comforter. And he'll be with you. And the Bible says that that is even our guarantee. In Ephesians chapter 1, that is our guarantee. In other words, Jesus, when he purchased us, sent the Holy Spirit, and it's almost like the layaway program at Walmart used to be. He paid the payment, but he's going to pick it up at a different date. Now, we're paid in full. He don't have to make payments on his. We're paid in full, but we're the, re- the Holy Spirit is a receipt. So when he comes to get us, all those who are sealed with the Holy Spirit, we're out of here. Yes, sir, we're out of here. Redeemed is my new name. In the Old Testament, it was told that Christ would come, but this idea that he would take up residence in the redeemed church, made up mostly of the Gentiles, that's a brand new concept. That's a brand new thing. See, they had never heard anything like that. And God is revealing this great mystery to them. And as he opens the eyes of the Gentiles and any others that would come to faith in Christ, he's revealing it to them just as he's revealing it to us. And every day that we grow in Christ, we learn more and more about this great imparted hope. Do you know that for such a time as this, our commission has been given? Not only have our eyes been opened, but our commission has been given. In verse 28, it says, Him we preach to every man, warning every man. Him we preach, warning every man. So, so one aspect of our commission is to preach the hope of Christ. Preach the hope of Christ. And I can say it again, preach the hope of Christ. You say, yep, that's your job, what's mine? Your job is to preach the hope of Christ. It literally means to proclaim And Tim's trying to get you to sing a little louder. God wants you to preach a little louder. And and not so much just verbally like a louder voice, but preach or proclaim more often that we are to proclaim Christ and listen to what it says. And you know, this is just amazing because Wednesday night, I'm sitting here sharing about how God works and how we should work and how the church works and all these ideas about I just want a church that don't judge me, but I want one that preaches the Bible. And as I said Wednesday night, but Hebrews tells me that the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, is a discerner of the thoughts, and not only the thoughts, the intents of the heart. So if you preach the book... As Jerry Vine says, and I've quoted it many times, man takes a sword and cuts from the outside in. God takes his sword and cuts from the inside out. That God gets down to the very depths of our souls. And he is a discerner, not only of our thoughts, but the intent behind our thoughts. In other words, he gets down to the very core of who we are. He does surgery. It says preach Christ warning every man. Now, I'm just reading the Bible, you know? And so if we're going to preach the Bible, and, 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 and let, me, let, me, let me reiterate because I want to make sure that we get this clear. 
If I take the Bible and I put it on my shoulders and I carry the Bible around, if I stumble, the Bible falls. But if I take the Bible and I put it down and I stand upon the Bible, if I stumble, I'm standing on it. It will be there to catch me, to hold me. So often people look in at church life and they go, yeah, you see that preacher? But what they need to do is they need to see that preacher. And they need to see you the same way. That, that all we are are just beggars showing another beggar where to get bread from and we're just delivering the mail. That's all we're doing. Isaiah 55, 6 says this, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Matthew 24, 42 through 44 says, Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. That's a warning. That for everybody that is living an unrepentant, unregenerate lifestyle, it is, God is not okay with you. And if I'm unrepentant, if I'm living a lifestyle that is, that is a lifestyle that is, that is not pleasing to God, that is a sinful lifestyle, not that you don't sin, but if you, there's a difference between a repentant life and an unrepentant life. If you just constantly live in that sin, and I just have to go ahead and say, I, I'm not jumping up and down just yet, I'm watching, but it's amazing to see the possibility that Southern Baptist life got a little tightened up this past week. And, 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 and they excommunicated four churches this past week. And overall, it was for this. They were allowing and permitting and promoting unrepentant lifestyles in leadership and in membership. You say, why isn't that too strict? Isn't that too stern? Well, let's see. Two of the churches, had they knowingly hired... Sex offenders, registered sex offenders. No one hired them as pastors of the churches. And they're no longer a part of it. And you say, now is it too stern when you think about your little kids? And I'm just saying, I know good and well that if they would have acknowledged and repented of those lifestyles, never would have happened. Because repentance means you don't say, well, God's, he's okay with it when his word says he's not. No, repentance says this is wrong and I must change because it is unpleasing to God. And I can't, as a child of God, live consciously a lifestyle that is unpleasing to God. That's hard for our world to get because we just don't want to be judged. Is it possible to live in a world today? anywhere in this world and not be judged. There's judgment everywhere. As I shared Wednesday night, Planet Fitness. I joined, went in that building one time, paid 12 months of membership. 
Went in the building one time. But I remember some things about it. They have a judgment-free zone when they toured us around. Got this judgment-free zone. We don't allow nobody to be taking their shirt off, standing in front of mirrors and grunting and going on. And we don't want people lifting weights and all doing all this high-fiving and doing all that because we don't want the people that are not like that to feel like they're being judged. I didn't know what category I fell in, but I was like, oh, I'll probably be one of the ones over there on the treadmill sweating out lard. Lean our ears, right? You know, head, stand in front of your mirror. Judgment-free zone, but yet they're in that very idea. They're judging the people. Yeah. They're judging them people. You can't stand in front of a mirror. You shouldn't do this because it hurts other people. So there is... And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just trying to tell you that you can't go anywhere without being judged. You go steal a cub from a mama bear, you'll find out that there is a natural law that you're going to face. You're going to be judged and you're going to be found wanting. Everywhere there's judgment. But see, the difference is, this is not man's judgment. This is not man's judgment. This is God's judgment. And God's judgment is only right. The only one that's right. That is the, the, the datum point, the, 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 the line that we uh, do. So warning every man, for such a time as this, our commission has been given to teach the wisdom of Scripture. And I'm, I'm going to uh, kind of speed up a little bit here. Colossians 28, once again, that we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ. Teaching every man in all wisdom. We know that wisdom does not come from us, it comes from Him. This is where we get our wisdom from. James 3.1 says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. In other words, God is very serious about teaching. So we should not teach, and you, you teach somebody whether you realize it or not. You are training people. You're teaching people. Every day in your life, anytime you're around people, you're teaching them something. We should be careful what we're teaching. We should not teach our own ideas, our own ideologies. We should teach the truth. And you say, I don't agree with everything in the truth. I don't understand it all. And some of it really does not make me happy. It doesn't thrill my soul to stand up in front of folks and tell folks that if you live this way and this is consistent in your life that you're living this way, it proves that you're not of Christ. If you're not of Christ, then you'll end up separated from God in hell. That is not what I wake up in the morning going to set out to do. But I have no choice. But there are other things in here other than that. I mean, I get to tell you that if you are saved, guess what? We're going home one day. And that whatever you walk through here, though the waters may swell, they'll not overtake you. Though the fires may rage, they will not burn you. But that he'll see you through. But you can't take one part and not take the other part. James 1.5 says, And if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. 2 Timothy 2.5, Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker, it does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Then, our commission has been given to rely on the power of God. And at the end of the day, just as I prayed when I started, that should be our prayer, is that what's happening here 
We can't, we can't be responsible for everywhere. But what's happening here in this church body, what's happening in your personal lives, what happens through in and through us, we should rely on God's power. I've said it before, but there are things that I could do to increase the crowd. There are things that we could do to increase the crowd. But I've just at a place in my personal walk as a pastor and with the Lord, and I'm willing to wait. I'm really willing to wait on Him. Be still and know that He is God. But Lord, if I'll just preach this book, that you will do what you so choose to do with it. And God, that you'll change lives. That you'll, you'll, you'll redeem marriages. That you will set our children free from the bondage of drugs and the stupidity that's being taught to them through the, through the local governments and school systems and, and, our, and the White House and all these. That God, you, your truth will break through and you will redeem and I know, I know not everybody in government, I've said this, I want to clarify this. I know everybody in government is not wicked. We need to pray for those that are in the trenches fighting their guts out right now for us. And they are. You need to pray for them and support them because they don't have an easy task. <laughs> but you and I don't either, not if we stand on truth. Let me just throw this in there, I can't help it. I guess I could, but I'm making the decision not to help it. <laughs> you want to trust him? Or do you want to trust somebody that one day tells you to, that you ain't got to wear a mask? And the next day he tells you, go, you need to wear a mask. And then he tells you that you got to take a vaccine and that's going to save everything. And now he's done come out and said that even if you take the vaccine, you still can't get close to your loved ones. I'm so glad that God's the same today as he was yesterday. And he'll be the same tomorrow. And he understands all this confusion down here. He does. Better than anybody. Psalm 32, 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I'll guide you with my eye. Psalm 138, 8 says, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 through 7, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power might be of God and not of us. That's what we want. The power of God. Listen to this verse. To this end, he says, in verse 29, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me, not insignificantly, not insufficiently, but mightily. He says, Paul says, I strive also laboring, According to his working, which he works in me, in you, 
and in others mightily. In other words, so if we go along with him, he'll provide the way. He'll protect us. He'll secure us. I mean, I can't, I don't know how many times I've quoted it over the last couple of weeks, but I can't help. David said, I have been young and I have been old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor the seed of God begging bread. Notice he, he qualifies that. I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor the seed of God begging bread. If you are truly his and you are on mission for him, Vody Balkum, I don't know if many of y'all know him. You can look him up. He is a tremendous pastor, great man of God. He was in Africa. He was a pastor here in the United States. He's been over there working as a president of a, of a Bible college seminary. Had a serious episode. They put him on a 12-hour plane flight that got delayed and I'm trying to remember now the hospital in Florida. Um, it's one of these big, um, golly, I can't even remember the name of it. It's one, one of these major deals that is specific, the Mayo Clinic. There you go. His plane got diverted to Florida. He ends up getting to the Mayo Clinic. Now, he, is, he was in Africa. He's dying along the way. He gets there and he's within one hour of his death. Now you, you leave Africa to get to the United States of America on, I think it was three planes, and to arrive within one hour of the time that you need to be there or you're gone. And tell me God don't provide. They started a GoFundMe account. to help pay for his medical bills. I don't forgot how many millions have been raised in 72 hours. I'm just trying to tell you that God looks after his own. Thank you for listening today. Pastor Greg wants to share with you how the gospel changed his life and how it can change yours too. You know, Tim, it was the gospel that saved me. I'll never forget when Ray Elder came into my life, uh, God put him there and he shared the truth of the gospel with me, that I was a sinner, that Christ died for my sins, and that if I would accept him as the Lord of my life and follow him, that he would change my life. And that's exactly what he's done. I wonder if that's something that you would like to do today, that you would today before God just admit, you know, God, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, and I need you. And God, I believe that Christ died on the cross for me, and I want to accept his payment today for, for my sins, and I want to live for him from this point forward. If you pray that prayer today, we want to welcome you into the family of God. We also want to encourage you to contact us. You'll find a link below where you can reach us, and so we look forward to hearing from you. so much that he gave his son for us. Amen. God bless you guys.